my door. Get out. <laughs> I'm warning you, do not take another step toward me. She has a weapon. See how they teach the children to treat their guests. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> also, can we acknowledge how nice of a dorm this is? Look how tall those ceilings are. Windows, but I'd immediately be like, these are Wakandans. Also, there's too many windows. I mean, the, the light that you're getting in that room is just incredible. Each of them has like, you could jump out of any of those windows. I'm just saying, like the dorm I lived in in college, you, you could not jump out the windows. <laughs> I love her. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> Yo, ain't no ash on her head. Her head is perfect. Okoye's so fully moisturized. How dare they? I think she looks great. Uh, some people were commenting like, hey, Eric didn't mention the ashy comment. I'm like, you think I'm going to comment on that? The man that's naturally ashy 24-7, you guys, be respectful. <laughs> Welcome back to New Rockstars. Black Panther Wakanda Forever deprived us of a long speculated post credit scene that would have revealed Doctor Doom in the MCU, rumor has it, but was a trace of Victor Von Doom accidentally left behind in this film in the form of Riri Williams' MIT professor? Answers, what are those? What are this is Inside Marvel, it's New Rockstar's weekly Marvel reaction show. And despite the dozen other Wakanda Forever videos you can see on the channel in the past week, this is the first time MT and Jessica and I have had a chance to react to this movie together. And we're gonna be unscripted. It's gonna be a spoiler filter lifted conversation. We're gonna get into all the nitty gritty of what we loved, uh, what we're still having questions about from Wakanda Forever. Uh, and yes, we will be spoiling everything in this movie. Yes. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, pause this video, go watch the movie, come back to us. I'm Eric Boss. I'm here with Jessica Clemens and MT. Hello, friends. What's Hi. going on? It's exciting to see this movie being such a hit that it is. Uh, I was I was really worried going into it. You know, I, I didn't know. It's it's a, definitely a risk to make a Marvel superhero movie without like a focal hero who is like going to be on screen driving the plot forward. But really, they just made a story about a community, about a group of people, about two warring kingdoms, and it worked. Like on, like it seems like so far, at least in the opening week, the audiences are here for it. Like they need this movie. Oh yeah, like this movie was truly unlike any other movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because like it was like this weird meta commentary that like yeah, obviously we're dealing with the passing of, of Chadwick Boseman and, and like it's, but like they did it with so much like tact and like with so effectively that like the beginning of the movie, like with the silence, like the beginning and end of the movie with the silence, mm -hmm. like so powerful, mm -hmm. like Ryan Coogler truly um, made a product that that was um, was truly respectful to his friend Chadwick and like I need to see this like two or three more times because I've only seen it once and like I need I need that experience again in my life because like it was truly something special. I I, I think the the really smart strategic move with the plot is just using the character Shuri. I mean they had to kind of leave behind some of the things we loved about Shuri in the past films and really evolve her into an instrument of grief in this film. But I didn't you know as we watched it, I didn't realize how much that we really needed that not just for mourning Chadwick Boseman but uh mourning anyone in our lives like right. this movie is like a fascinating exploration of what is the best way to grieve how do we listen to our uh better angels and what are those better angels are they something within us or are they something from beyond that we have to listen to are they invisible hands that guide our steps every day of our lives mm -hmm. uh or is it our own inner demons and our own inner angels that are warring against each other and we just have to listen to a certain side of that um mm -hmm. it's fascinating i you know, I think Letitia Wright did a great job. I really love how this movie um, basically did what Civil War did with um, with Chadwick and, and, and Zemo and just like 
mm-hmm. continue that with the, the, the story of vengeance and how vengeance can really destroy everything and, and can get people killed. Because like if Shiri did not follow Chadwick's, um, sorry, not Chadwick, T'Challa's example of of, of, of mercy and, and being like a, a kind person mm-hmm. showing compassion, um, even at the face of the person that killed one of their parents, like another parent killer uh, for the, the for this family, um, got mercy. <laughs> and like I think that that was so powerful and so like so amazing just to celebrate the the person that T'Challa was in the MCU. This like this person that that cared. I like Mean Shuri. I said, kill him. No, I do like that because there is a storyline briefly, and I think I can't remember what comic book this was ages ago that I was looking into it about Shuri being the Black Panther and being not necessarily a good or bad Black Panther, but just like, yeah, she was ruthless. She was fueled with anger, just like she was in this movie. And Mm. I like that because it's like, like WandaVision, it gives us grief, but it gives us grief in like an actual real time. It felt more, which is interesting because WandaVision was a series that feels like it could actually do it for a long time. But in this movie, they did it really well conveying what grief can make people feel. And instead of going through like the seven stages of grief, she really just went through, she jumped the gun on like three of them and went straight to anger. And it's like, (laughs) and I like, and I like that because it's a scientist of someone that thinks logically all the time, finally not sounding so logic with their sense of anger and letting it control them and being like, no, you guys don't understand what you're talking about. I know what I'm feeling because I have like done every math, Mm -hmm. every equation to figure it out. And it's like, yeah, I love that. Explore your grief, dive into it, let anger fuel you for a little bit. I also root for Emperor Palpatine, so I'm not really someone that should be. (laughs) Let the hate flow through. Let the hate flow through. Do it. Well, just now you got me wondering what the other two mystery stages of grief are. I thought there were only five stages Um, of grief. You said seven, but like you have two two other ones. I think one's smell and taste, right? Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what it is. One is plasma, yep. one is gas. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. Sure, he's the scientist, not me. Sorry, keep going. Well, uh, Jess, I'm really excited. I know you have a, a video coming out soon on the channel about what's next for Riri Williams and Ironheart uh, in her series. And that's that's the angle I want to talk about uh, starting off in this episode of Inside Marvel, specifically one line that Riri mentions, this mystery professor. And uh, there's a lot of uh, speculation. It's just one quick line. It's really easy to miss. Um, but now we're all wondering, could this mystery professor be Dr. Doom? It's kind of mm. like that WandaVision aerospace engineer all over again. Uh, because we know there were some reports of like, uh, was Dr. Doom going to be in this movie? Was he not? Uh, and at first I just said, oh, that was just like the rumor mill run rampant. But now I'm looking at this movie again and thinking there is something that was missing from this movie. And you could see the residual trace elements left over. Mm. Um, I'm just going to go through what we see here. So Riri becomes a scapegoat of this movie, really. She's targeted by Talakan for building a vibranium detector, but Riri tells Shuri that while she did build that machine, she did not build it for the CIA. It was not a plot that she was helping the CIA like attack Wakanda or other kingdoms mm-hmm. out there. This is just a class project. It was for true academic purposes. Here's the exchange. Shuri says, I'm here about the vibranium detector you built for the CIA. Riri says, I didn't build no detector for this for no CIA. I made that for my metallurgy class. Shuri's like a school project. And Riri goes, yeah, my professor said I'd never be able to do it to be young, gifted, and black though, right? now, you know, I love that delivery from Dominic Thorne. She's so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but metallurgy, by the way, it's an area of study in engineering that studies the physical and chemical behavior of metallic materials that you're using for building stuff. It's right. the kind of class where a professor might build, oh, I don't know, a sick metallic mm-hmm. mask to match his green hood. No, mm-hmm. I am just going a little, I'm having a little fun with that. This is why we really cannot let go of this professor because the whole reason Riri gets drawn into the conflict of this movie 
is that her invention, without her knowing, is given to the CIA. Someone took it from her class and mm. gave it to the government without her consent of doing that. This is some asshole professor who doubted her abilities and then stole her technology to give to freaking Val to get a leg up on the Wakandans. And this is super shady. This professor completely doomed his student and it never gets addressed again in the movie. And I think it's just too big of a deal to get ignored. There was like, she's hinting at this mystery of like someone in her orbit who took her idea from her, claimed it as his own, and then gave it to the government to use for nefarious purposes. And now that we're on this side of the Wakanda forever, I went back to look at those leaks from last summer. And we know a version of this movie existed in July because that's when, uh, you know, in the official Black Panther podcast, Tony C. Coates confirmed that he saw a full cut of the movie some point over the summer. We think it was mm. sometime during July before D23. Uh, and this is the month that you can trace back those early unconfirmed reports to. So I think someone else was in that screening room and started putting stuff on Reddit and 4chan and other places. These reports claim that this movie would end with a second post credit scene that would reveal Dr. Doom. The description was that Lake Bell's character, Dr. Graham, she's a CIA ocean scientist who led the diving team that we saw in the movie. In this reported claim, she was going to report back to some mystery benefactor who gave her that vibranium detector, and that would be Dr. Doom. Now, of course, this scene was not in the movie. Nate Moore and Ryan Coogler have insisted Doom was never part of the plan, but I don't know if we can believe them because when you go back to look at those leaks beat for beat, they were right about pretty much everything else that ended up being in the final cut of the movie. Sometimes it was in different orders, but like all the big stuff that happens, all the tentpole moments, it all happens as it does in the, in the theatrical cut. And you can definitely step back and see something is missing here because Lake Bell, she might not be a huge name, but she is big enough mm -hmm. that casting her just to play the CIA scientist whom Namor kills in the first act, I would say a bit of a waste of her talent, at least a waste of money for to pay someone that big to play such a small role. It's kind of like how they cast Richard Schiff as this U.S. Secretary of State. Schiff does come back at least one mm -hmm. scene later in the film. You can imagine this guy probably showing up in Secret Invasion and Armor Wars and things like that. Uh, so I think there is this missing link of Shuri's asshole MIT metallurgy professor who has some shady connection with the CIA. It's a mystery set up in the film, never paid off. In fact, my conspiracy brain is taking me places right now. Like, I think those reports of Sasha Baron Cohen playing Mephisto and Ironheart might just be red herrings, like a cover story of Massive Truth that he's actually playing Victor Von Doom on the show, which makes a bit more sense yeah. because it is a show about the intersection of science and magic yeah. and what character in Marvel yeah. uh, lore yeah. is yeah. always yeah. described yeah. as the intersection yeah. of science yeah. and magic, yeah. Yeah. Victor yeah. Von Doom. Yeah. Um, I, I really... <laughs> Hope that Sasha yep. Baron Cohen is playing Doom, just so that you can He'd say, be so good. "My mom, my mom is in hell." <laughs> <laughs> my mom. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Or he talks to uh, Agatha Harkness and says, "Like." My wife. My and then turns wife. to every other witch, also my wife. My <laughs> wife. My wife. So I think Wakanda Forever was always going to end with introducing Toussaint, mm -hmm. uh, aka uh, T'Challa Jr. But I think that was really originally just going to be this movie's ending, not a mid credit scene. Like, notice how the mid credit scene picks up directly where the final scene leaves off with Shuri on the beach. I think that was originally all part of one scene. There wasn't going to be a break. The movie, there was going to be the movie's original ending sequence because just like, you want to include, like, it seems like something you would just include as the grace note at the end of the film, as kind of the answer to Shuri's prayers. It doesn't feel like something tagged on to the end, like an additional twist. It feels like part of Shuri's natural uh, story, her arc, in the movie before you cut to any credits. Um, so I think that was originally going to be the original ending of the movie. But then after this Doom twist leaked over the summer, Disney's like, oh, and they decided to remove the Doom scene and then trimmed off that Toussaint part uh, and then move that to the mid-credits. And I think it was probably ultimately the right move to do this because thematically, I did not need Dr. Doom to be in this mm -hmm. movie. I think the movie works way better as is. And I think if anything, there was just too much MCU stuff in this movie. We'll talk about that later in this episode. 
I, I, I can't really fault thematically story structure wise the way they did it the way they did. Mm. And again, this is just my conspiracy brain reaching here. But I want to ask you, do you think I'm reaching? And if not, what do you think the story is with Riri's mystery MIT professor? I would like it to be Dr. Doom just because I also I, and this might just be me because I know Doom because we talk about him so much. But I like jumping the gun and making his first introduction not an origin story, just starting him already as bad. He's already right. bad. He's already stealing ideas from his from his mm-hmm. uh, little children. Um, I like the idea of that. I would love it. But I also do ultimately do agree with you. That was my one thing when I did the Black Panther Wakanda Forever review was I was like, well, I think some of you guys won't like this because there's a lot of Marvel stuff in it. And then some of you guys will like it because it has a lot of Marvel stuff in it. When I was like, this feels more like a farewell package to not only uh, Chadwick Boseman, but to the phase four of the MCU. So I was like, eh, this is kind of weird, but sorry, going back to, um, Dr. Doom, I would love that. Uh, it has to be true. I think Nate Moore is just Nate Moore. And he has to say that like their original plan wasn't to have it. They can't be like, well, we actually thought about it. Like, no, they can't say mm-hmm. that. So it would make sense that it was something that was shown in a room. They said, no, we're scrapping everything. And now they have to s- stay planted on their new idea, their new answer to why doom's not here i can definitely believe that there were like talks of doom potentially making an appearance or like pointing towards doom i think that like considering that fantastic four is kind of a ways away um but then again mutants are ways um the x-men movies a ways away and we're getting mutants so um i think that it might be a little bit too early um for dr doom um just yet just like I, i mean i don't know their plan but like i think that if Doctor Doom is going to be introduced, it feels like Ironheart would probably be the um, the the, the mm-hmm. series if th- that he would be introduced in. Considering that we do know that um, the Hood is going to be involved in that yeah. story, um, and the Hood is a very mystical being. The Hood is like the nexus between like magic and you know guns, and like it's like magic and um, uh, man-made materials. That's sort of what Doctor Doom is. He's like he's the nexus between magic and and real worlds like science and stuff so like i can see like um the hood maybe teaming up with doom or like learning or or wanting to learn more about magic from doom but like i don't think that black panther wakanda forever was going to be like a doom introduction it just it it always felt like to me that marvel studios wanted to just honor chadwick and like try to figure out um what's next with the black panther legacy and let's focus on that and then um just introduce doom in some other title but I don't I, know. Who knows? Yeah. I agree with that. But uh, yeah. then it's like, we also have the first Black Panther where it was felt like a very Black Panther film. And then the very mm-hmm. last scene is just Bucky coming out of a tent. So I think it was like <laughs> going to be to that degree where it was like, here's a one second thing. Here's a one second offshoot. Uh, but also now that I'm thinking about it, I get what you're saying about the red herring for Ironheart, but it just seems like, this is a stretch what I'm about to say, Doom kind of feels like a lower version, the hood seems like a lower version of Doom in that regard of like magic and tech, because it's like he uses a gun, a pistol, yes, but the magic is in his boots and his cape. So it's like, it's not really like he's demonic, it's the appendages that he stole from a, a demon. So I'm like, I'm like, they maybe they were always going to plan on having to be Mephisto and not Doom and Ironheart, but like... Yeah, I think that's still very likely. And, you know, you don't have to adopt every uh, little part of what I said wholesale I to, to. Uh, believe in this theory. Um, <laughs> I I'm must. Just bringing up, I'm bringing up a couple different... You know, anytime like... Hey, this is like my how my theory brain works. I try to find three nodes of of like information to hang it on, right? And there has to be like three points really to form like a line mm-hmm. that goes in any one clear vector. Um, 
And for me, those three nodes are like this, these unproven, unverified claims that there was going to be a Doom post credit scene. No. This mystery of Riri Williams' professor. That's definitely something. That would, that would, you don't put that in a movie. Like, it just seems so weird. It'd be one yeah. thing if she just mentioned a professor who doubted her abilities. But then that professor, in order to kick off the conflict of the movie, off screen, gave it to the CIA. It was Mark Zuckerberg. Back at it again. <laughs> the metaverse shows up. Stealing people's ideas. He didn't go to MIT. Um, do you think, <laughs> do you think they're maybe holding that? They put it in there. It's kind of like the same situation with, you know, like that earthquake under the water that they talked about. It's like, mm-hmm. do you think he put it in there as like a little sprinkle? So if they do want to approach the whole, like how many students are at MIT? Cause we know that like Ned and MJ are still there. Do you think they're yeah. like, maybe they can make it doom eventually and doom teaches MJ and net or something i don't know i feel like yeah i think that's why i'm I'm partially excited for this to introduce victor von doom in the world of academia because that is how we meet victor i believe in the fantastic four or no maybe that's not how we meet him but like that is his backstory that's how he met reed richards and ben Grimm. he was one of their roommates he's like i don't want to stay in this guy's room so they get rotated out and ben Grimm like sabotages his experiment like this this is like a college drama it's like social network stuff that's their backstory. And I, that's how I want the Fantastic Four to be introduced. I want to see them as like grad students or teachers at a, at a university. And the fact that we have MJ, we have Flash, we have Ned, and now we have Riri. Um, and potentially Peter Parker is going to come visit at MIT. This is the place to like unfold that story. I think it really makes sense to introduce Victor Von Doom. And we know this, is, this isn't new to Marvel. Like, you know, Doc Ock was uh, a college professor who's like a mm. colleague of Ned Con or not, uh, uh, Kurt Connors, I should say. Um, in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Um, but like, I guess, I guess my thing is, if we compare it to the earthquakes under the ocean, you could, looking back, just argue the the context and the subtext of that scene is, Natasha, this is not a big deal. This is under the water. Move on. Let go of it. Like the characters are literally saying, this isn't a big deal. Let go mm-hmm. of it. And it's all just like the fans who are like, ooh, that could mean something. In this case, it was like presented as something like, Mm, hold on I have like a couple follow-up questions there like it was meant the way that scene was written is it was like meant to like set up like something that was going to pay off later that we're Mm going to meet this professor Uh, only because like I think we can all agree Riri Williams they kind of had to invent these excuses to force her into the story to tie her into the story I think Dominic Thorne does a great job but it is you can see the the gears turning it's a very synthetic uh implant of this character in the movie. So they had to like find a way to do that. And they clearly did a lot of work to justify why she needs to be in the middle of this conflict. And the fact that they needed to preserve Riri as an innocent character to counterbalance that as a screenwriter, you have to invent uh, some kind of justification for why this happened. And as it stands right now, we still do not know why her invention was thrust in the middle of this. It Mm. was a, it was a choice. It's not like the government has track of every single student project that's happening at MIT and Caltech, you know? We also have to consider that, you know, uh, Val is a factor in this movie. And we do know that the leader is out there. He's going to be a a factor in in New World Order. This could very well be, like, manipulate, like, the leader trying to get that thing that he needs to find Vibranium. It's like, all right, we get it from this, this, um, this girl, and then we just, we just take it. And then we just use it for our stuff. And so, like, I, I have a feeling that the leader could be behind the discovery of Riri's machine sure. at this yeah. random, like, it, school yeah. fair, science fair thing. Um, it just feels like a... Metallurgy class? Yeah. I don't know. Was. 
Um, yeah, I think the leader absolutely could be tied in with this too. I mean, there's all kinds of foes out there. There's uh, Hydra might still be operational in some oh, way. The sure. Skrulls could be involved in some way. Kingpin could be funding some of these efforts. K Kingpin's like, the teacher. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you make an omelet. Fuck. He's just really good at metallurgy for no reason. <laughs> Yeah. If you want to use the bathroom, you need to take a hall pass. <laughs> I think you meant, may I use the bathroom? May I use the bathroom? God, he's always out of breath. He always sounds like right. he's out of breath. He always sounds out of breath, like he's just finished running. I love him. He's I got him. all this weight to lug around with. Right. I, I get, I get that's true. That's the adrenaline pumping in his system. He's like, I'm gonna use a car door on you in like two minutes. Well, uh, I don't think uh, we can definitively say this is absolutely Doom who was cut out of this movie. I just think there's a lot of signs that point to something, some kind of subplot being removed. And I think it makes a lot of sense if you look at all the other evidence that's pointing in other different directions, that that, uh, that missing puzzle piece is in the shape of Victor Von Doom. Mm. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense to me that that might've been cut. And I, I, I don't know if we can go as far to say that Sasha Baron Cohen, that like the fact that he's playing Mephisto is like a cover story released by Disney. Disney doesn't normally do that. Like play with like the Hollywood reporter and say, yeah, yeah, our source just print that it's Mephisto. So all <laughs> it's Mephisto. But if we end up being right on that, I think we deserve to be like hired by Marvel Studios, right? That would be great. Out. All right, we have a, a few more questions we want to talk about from Wakanda Forever. Thank you to Brooklyn and for sponsoring this episode. The holidays are just around the corner and Brooklyn and is here to make holiday hosting so easy. They've got everything you need to outfit your guest room, grab a great gift. With Brooklyn and Stoppel Bundles, you're literally all set. They've done all the work for you with the combinations for bed, bath, or both to save you time and money. With Bundles, your holiday hosting prep has never been simpler. Their luxurious home essentials feel as good as they look and offer something for everyone. Whether you're searching for accessories or investing in the forever favorites that make a house a home, Brooklinen is a sure bet. They are known for their award-winning sheets, but they also have an expanded selection of home fragrance, bathroom essentials, and comfortable loungewear. Don't forget about their rewards program where with each purchase, you earn points, perks, and insider info on all of Brooklinen's exclusive member events and promotions. On top of all the coziness on the horizon, Brooklinen is offering something extra special for first-time customers. Visit brooklinen.com today and save 15% off your first purchase, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com for 15% off your first purchase, plus free shipping. We also want to thank Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode. While we dream about Doom coming to the MCU, we want to do it with a comfortable mattress. We trust Helix to give us those Dr. Doom-filled dreams of the best mattresses in the world. I had a Helix mattress, as does MT. Recently, producer Zach, producer John also got Helix mattresses. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Everybody's unique, and Helix knows that, so they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattresses are great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattresses are great for spinal alignment to prevent morning and paints, even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. Producer John took the Helix quiz and was matched with the Helix Dusk mattress because he is a back sleeper that needed a memory foam mattress to provide the amount of support to keep him sleeping through the night. Just go to helixsleep.com slash inside marvel, take their two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10 year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk free. Helix is operating up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash inside marvel. All right, this is like the common criticism a lot of people are bringing up with Wakanda Forever. I wanted to get both of your opinions on this. Would Wakanda Forever have been better without Val and would it have been better without Riri? Hmm. You, you, that voice was for the Riri. Absolutely not. And, uh, 
Absolutely not. Okay. Oh, you okay. went guard okay. dog mode. You went. <laughs> I did. I. I. Okay. So there's a couple things at New Rock Stars that I am overly protected of. Like I think some of us are about certain things that we really enjoy in our lives. And mine is Riri Williams, She Hulk. And the boys, but, <laughs> but I digress. Riri Williams is so perfect, and I I hate to be this person, but like throwing her into every predominantly black film that the MCU will be handling out, even the ones that take place in predominantly black neighborhoods, whether Chicago, New York, is a great idea because this person creates inventions from nothing. This person isn't rich, isn't, uh, didn't go to like, didn't start off as like an, a prodigy genius that went to like all the highest schools. No, she makes stuff out of her garage in Chicago. So I think putting her in Wakanda Forever is like, how I feel about them running into MJ and Ned. It's written in the stars. They go to MIT. They need to see each other. You have to put Riwi in Wakanda forever, not only to give her another teammate, because she does have an occurrence. She does run in with Shuri and the Wakandans and helps build like space engineering for Wakanda in the comics. So it's like, yeah, this is her buddy. This is her friend, but this is also another intelligent black girl that knows what she's doing, knows what she's going through, and can they can both assist and bounce off each other. So I think Riri Williams for the MCU. Best introduction is through Wakanda Forever. I'm so glad it was Wakanda Forever. Instead of like Spider-Man, instead of anything else, I needed it to be Wakanda Forever. Th- sorry, right. that is that's I I agree with um you 110% because like like you said, like this movie was very much a, a celebration of, of strong black women. And like Riri Williams, since she's like next up on the block after Iron Man, it just makes sense for Wakanda Forever to be the movie to introduce um, to introduce this character. Because, like, at the beginning of the MCU, we didn't really have a lot of strong Black female characters um, to, to attach to. But, like, now with this movie, we have we have Shuri, we have Riri, we have Okoye, we have yeah, um, the other hurt. Midnight uh, Midnight chick. But I'm, I'm forgetting her name. You said, her name. You said that one. <laughs> I make the that. Other, that one. The one with um, the spear? Ayo. <laughs> Ayo's girlfriend um like it just like it was just really yeah. dope to see this because you like we, before we didn't really see, we didn't really have this um and so like it, it's i feel like this means a lot for a lot of uh black um female nerds out there that like just really mm-hmm. want characters and heroes to attach to and so like i definitely feel like riri should have been yeah. in this but val definitely didn't have to be in this but i understand that you know this is just the mcu laying down the seeds for what's coming later so like i'm i'm cool with it it because like we are watching an mcu movie that was the mcu part was the val and everett ross part but it also when i left the theater the second time watching it i was like not in a mean way but i was like out of every storyline theirs was like the one lacking for me with like me caring like the uh, I, right. it was a big thing it was a big thing but i think the biggest thing for me the takeaway was that they were married at one point and i was like i right. guess i didn't need to hear that in this movie i could have heard it anywhere and it would have been fine it gave us more theories it gives us more work it gives us more <laughs> everything to do but i also was like sure. yeah i don't it could have came later and i still would have felt the same way because they mm. ended up breaking them out anyways <laughs> right right i mean uh yeah i think all of this is coming from a place where we genuinely love uh, a Julia Louis Dreyfus, mm-hmm. and anytime she's on screen, I'm I'm like, yay! Like I, I just love uh, her work as an actor. And Dominique Thorne, I think, is incredible. Yeah, I think these criticisms about like Riri's arc in this is nothing against the character. I think everyone is on the same page in terms of like bringing this character in the MCU 
introducing her in a cool way, giving her a lot of fun stuff to do. And I think she is a delight to watch in this movie. I just think structurally in this movie, uh, she is kind of like forced into a plot that the character does not need to be a part of. If the if the thematic goal of this movie is to use Shuri to teach audiences how to mourn, uh, how does Riri Williams serve that thematic goal? And I think overall they pull it off, uh, pull it off so well. It just reminds me a lot of when we watched uh, Civil War, right? Like Peter Parker's introduction in Civil War is awesome, is a lot of fun. Um, but his introduction in that movie does distract from the thematic conflict of Civil War. It's really just done to introduce an exciting new character that well, we all want to see in a movie that yeah. we're all going to watch. Um, but like structurally, structurally, you could totally tell a version of Wakanda Forever in which it was Shuri's technology that she didn't know that she was building and had some kind of deal with the government. And then it's, it's her fault that this uh, vibranium well, detector technology got in the wrong hands. That's mm -hmm. where I think uh, for storytelling purposes, I wouldn't be as involved if it was just Shuri. I'd be like, okay, this girl's mourning. Mm. And then on top of that, you guys somehow broke into Wakanda, stole her technology, and then found Vibranium. That's why I think they needed someone on the outskirts of Wakanda to be able to create mm. an invention that could find it. And I also think, I mean, yeah, Ryan Coogler didn't have a lot of time to rewrite a lot of the stuff. But I think it's like that... It, 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 the only fault I'll give them is like that's too close to America Chavez and Multiverse of Madness where it's like we're trying to hunt down this one girl for doing something that she didn't mean to do. She just exists with it. But mm -hmm. I was like you I, for justification storyline purposes, it always gives you that like it's always you hit that wall, which I like is of like. Yeah, I understand where Namor is coming from, but also this is a child scientist. But to them, it's like, no, this is a scientist. And she created an invention that can kill us all, even if it, she didn't mean to. So I'm like, yeah, I like that being Riri. And I like that for storytelling. But for the grieving part of storytelling, I don't think it does contribute. But for like storyline purposes of climaxes, I think it does. But that's that's also me because I ride or die for that woman. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. I, I mean, what a, a character that I think it's totally okay to die on the hill of because she's incredible. She's great. I love Riri. I think that, I don't know, I feel like Riri's introduction into story or inclusion in the story rather, um, sort of serves the purpose of like showing Wakanda, sort of like, you know, providing a little bit of humility to Wakanda a little bit because Wakanda's like, oh, we got yeah. all the smartest people, mm, we got true. all the vibranium. And then they learn that like, they don't have all the smartest people because Riri's mm -hmm. out there and the, there's vibranium in the ocean. So it's just like, oh shit, mm -hmm. maybe we should really do what T'Challa said and learn more about our world because um we're not as special as we thought we were we we were pretty special but like we're not as special because like now there are more crazier things happening we have a re-reese coming up we have vibranium being a factor so i think that um it, but also speaking to the grief part we do have that little small uh part where we um talks about her father and and losing her father which is a, a big part of, of her uh her origin story in the comics um as well and so like you know but we also know that you know she likes to like put herself in her work and like distract herself in her work um, to sort of like get over that trauma, More, much sort of like Tony Stark in a way um, in Iron Man three. And so I think that uh, uh, having that conversation with Riri might've like inspired uh, 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 Shuri to go and make that herb. It's like, you know what? Let me just distract myself with my work. I'm stressed out. Mama dead. Everything going bad. Um, water is dangerous. Uh, time to make an herb. These are all very good points. These are all very good points. I, I think the people who are criticizing this, I'm not saying I'm one of them. I just think it's an interesting conversation. So I wanted to have it here. Right. Um, but I think like 
the fact that she has to be Riri Williams, MIT student from Chicago, and there's certain story beats with her origin story that they have to stick to. Like, you have to establish Peter Parker as a kid from Queens, you know? Like, I was thinking structurally, if, you know, they weren't, if they weren't uh, beholden to those story beats, you could have just introduced Riri Williams as a uh, as a student in one of these Wakandan outreach centers in Oakland right. or, or wherever mm-hmm. else. And then she is like working on an internship project for them. And then it gets raided by the U.S. government or the French government or whoever it is. And then she did end up creating it. It could still be the same story beat. It's just the fact that they, we had to like divert the movie and then go to MIT. And we had to watch her like tutoring other students for, for cash and had to follow her in her dorm. I thought it was all very entertaining and fun. It just like really like... And the first act derailed the movie from like tonally from what I think the the central thematic goal of the movie was. I don't think overall it hurts. I think it just kind of like not necessarily hurtful, just not helpful. It's more so like which one would you have rather wanted to see the like Oakland campus or would you rather see the MIT campus? And I know that through break room, everyone was always fighting whether or not she was at MIT. It was like always a fight. We mm. didn't care about the like, oh, outreach center. It was like. Does she go to MIT or not? <laughs> Is she not at that campus? Because mm-hmm. there's other teachers and other alumni that came out of MIT that this could all connect to. So, And also, we know mm-hmm. that Ryan Coogler is a super big comic book fan. So honestly, he's looking at people like us and is like, I'll just give them more stuff to work with here. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can all agree, as much as we love these actors, they all, they've done such a good job casting. It's, we're really just talking about story structure. And I think what I would really love to see is like release these movies as the best possible movie it could be. And then have like Disney Plus one-off specials to introduce these like tie-in things leading up to it or on the other side mm-hmm. of it. And then you could just give the character the focus of these things without distracting from the story of overall. And I, I would give that note to all the movies. Like I think... Definitely for Civil War. I think uh, maybe the movie wouldn't have made as many <laughs> millions of dollars as it did. Um, uh, Multiverse of Madness. I think America Chavez kind of has this damsel syndrome uh, throughout the movie that I feel like Riri has in this movie. I'm not crazy about that because I feel like I, I think they did a slightly better job of it, at least structurally, with uh, Multiverse of Madness. But Riri, I think, is a far more interesting character who I'm excited to see in the future than I am about America Chavez. That's just me personally. <laughs> Let's move on to the question of this sun underwater. And I was on Slack this week being like, what the hell is Namor talking about? Where he's like, I brought the sun to my people. And we see this glowing thing rise out of this pyramid. And I was just like, what is that? Like, we just see like a glowing thing. Is that just supposed to be like vibranium tech? MT, I know you had an interesting take on this that I really loved. Oh, yeah. No, I I honestly believe that. I was so excited when I saw that vibranium um, sun because I was like, wow. Namor literally took a vibranium spear, flew it up to the sky and absorbed all that solar radiation and then brought it down to um, Talokan to light up his people. So that is literally solar energy. That is, that is quite literally the sun. And I thought that was so like so smart. I sort of want to go into this in a future video, but like this is sort of a, a key part to why Namor is a mutant. Um, because we, we learned from Eternals that uh, the sun, solar energy, um, this is from what I gleaned anyway, um, it's responsible for evolution. It's responsible for the reason why, you know, we see Crow absorbing all this radiation, this solar radiation that the Eternals absorbed in their body, and he was slowly evolving when he did so. So I feel like this solar radiation is a, a key symbolic uh, piece for um, Namor being a mutant in the MCU. And um, we'll we'll probably learn more about that in, in future films. I really loved how he used this piece of vibranium to absorb the sun to just give light to like a really dark and scary um because like that journey to talokan was super cool very finding nemo-esque but like my god would i be uh yep. pooping in yep. my suits because that is just darkness 
darkness. Like I, I was like freaking out. I was like, I couldn't be me. Could not be me, Lord. Jess, what do you think he meant by "I brought the sun to my"? People? I, I'm an idiot, and I literally think when he when she was when she mentioned like, oh, it's vibranium. I was like, oh, this is just a vibranium sun that he <laughs> <laughs> he locked up and can just expose and to make look like daylight. But once MT did say his theory, I was like, that sounds badass, and I love it. <laughs> And I wanted to stick to the comments, but I do think that's I'm like, I do think it's just made out of vibranium. And I think mm. like the people there understand the vibranium exists within like the soil or inside the plants. But I think it's like he's the one that's taking it, repurposing it into bigger things. And I haven't seen him do any science, any metal bending, any anything. But I do think he created this sun. Maybe it took a long time. And also science wise, I don't know a lot about water, but I know reflection and Sun speed, speed of light. Sun speed. <laughs> okay. You know, you don't wear sun speed before you get <laughs> get on the beach. <laughs> but I think there's probably uh, a science to it that's very intelligent that I cannot yeah. get into. Uh huh. It's beyond our understanding. MT, I really love your theory. I love it. It's so fun. It's also just to be like vibranium equals magic uh, material, right? Like. Shuri had that whole thing of like, it will work, the heart-shaped herbal will work if it glows. So maybe there's like an inherent glow to it. I mean, my theory is oh, that like, that's true. The, these meteorites oh. made of vibranium were sent by the celestials. So maybe like this <gasps> okay. is like, similar to the celestial world forge, how it was just kind of like, uh, it can produce light uh, in, in dark spaces. Boy. Otherwise, like this is the same stuff that creates stars and other like glowing celestial bodies. And he was able to create a microcosm version of it underwater. I think going off what you said, also an MT, if you do a video, talk about it. Going off what you said, remember the light up beads, the C, the C, the C, whatever she said that was hanging in the cave that also illuminated light. Oh, if he's the using glow worms? Some, the glow worms, if he's using glow worms and phosphorescent lights or phosphorescent, you know what I'm talking about. Water. Yeah. And you yeah. Make, and it makes that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. I don't know science. <laughs> I live. I you're watch. doing great. You're it's doing great. great. I, we, we know what you <laughs> talk about. I I came from a peninsula, so I know some water terms. <laughs> but I think I think using those things, if you use those items in the water that naturally give off its own light mixed in with vibranium, he's probably creating something that illuminates as bright as the sun underwater. Someone else do the math for it. But please, I think that's I think that works. <laughs> That'd be really fun. I, I really like that idea. When she said the glowing of the herb, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's a glow. It's maybe it's not a light. It's a glow. If that makes sense. <laughs> well, speaking of future videos, I know MT has like a whole herb breakdown coming. I'm breaking out. down oh, the yeah. herbs, guys. The herbs. And, and I, I do. I'm very excited to see that. I do talk about the the glowing energy and and um, <gasps> yes. yes. Okay. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be Perfect. interesting because it's. I'm yeah, so excited. That's stuff. We'll leave it there for this episode of Inside Marvel. But next week, MT and Jessica and I are finally going to give our follow-up to our October episode where oh, we rank shit. the Marvel Phase 4 Disney Plus series. This time, we're going to rank no. the seven MCU Phase we 4 films. We are ranking films. the movies. Please be no. nice to That's us. right. <laughs> and Jessica's going to explain why Eternals is obviously the best of them. But that's no. Jessica's. No. That's not my opinion. Jessica no. is a big no. Eternals and Jubilee stan. You heard it here first. Oh, that is horrible. <laughs> I'm going to be at LA Comic-Con and I'm planning on dressing up as Jubilee just to make everyone that loves Jubilee mad because you guys all know I don't like Jubilee so it's it. out of a bit I'm gonna pay extra money to look so good as Jubilee just to make all good. of you mad you gotta because you secretly love I'll, her I don't like her okay go yes. keep going close out this show I need to leave I hate everybody here um, 
Well, uh, I'm very excited for next week. Uh, I think that might come out on Thanksgiving Day. So Ooh. we'll have like a nice controversial thing to take you away from your fights at the family yes. dinner table. Come fight over to YouTube to watch us fight over Phase 4. You can follow Jessica at Lulu underscore Clements. Follow MT at Mastertainment. Follow me at EA Boss. Subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.